Welcome to the Love Examine playlist. We're solving love one song at a time. In progress. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to, to the Love Examine playlist podcast. Um, okay, we are beginning today with an oldie but a goodie, the Rolling Stones. Oh yes. Um, okay, Avram, why this song? What were you What were you thinking about when you saw this one? Well, in full disclosure, I'm giving a talk. Uh, I'm speaking on Wednesday uh, to a group of people who are newly engaged, or I think first year married, and I'm using uh, this quote uh, from the Rolling Stones. So I thought, why not use the material that I am going to be addressing uh, um, next week? You know, it's interesting. Um, there are certain things in pop culture that touch on uh, a psychological idea that textbooks of chapters and pages don't even get at. And I find that this song by the Rolling Stones does. The only, there's another one, you know, um, in our previous podcast, Pop Parenting, there's a movie. I always reference this one line from this movie. Have you seen the movie, Ellie, Three Kings? with uh, George Clooney's A Green Beret. Yeah, I did, but I feel like it was a long time ago. And, yeah. and whenever I say this film to my clients, they're like, you're gonna share some psychological truth with me from Three Kings. From that movie? And it really? is, and what, I'm, and what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna send it to you and maybe you can even, um, we can post the link because it's one of the great, great psychological truths in the movie where uh, um, George Clooney talks about uh, courage. It's a great, scene about courage but in this song in this song uh, you can't always get what you want mick jagger really hits it out of the park with uh, a line it's in the chorus the line that uh, goes you can't always get what you want but if you try sometimes you just might find you get what you need and i mean i, I was thinking there are so many places you can go with this i was thinking about this line in my own life how mm -hmm. true this is you, you know something is good it has quality when you see it reflected in your life you know right. what i mean so in retrospect you can look back at a piece of wisdom and go oh yeah oh yeah that this is absolutely true right so i'd like to start there i'm curious to hear from you look i mean ellie we you know we're old enough to have heard this line over and over again and probably mm -hmm. commercials and all sorts of things um i'm not a huge rolling stone fan i like a few of their songs but uh, this line and the meaning of this line I think has a lot of truth to it. Uh, in particular, um, I'll share some of my own thoughts about marriage and relationships, but what about for you? When I shared this line with you, first of all, I, 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 what was your reaction when I said, let's do the Rolling Stones? <laughs> I was like, all right, let's see what, what's, what's going to come of it. But like, you can't deny it. It's, it's just such an iconic phrase that um, you know, is one of those pieces of wisdom that you can point to from probably any religion or spiritual practice or self-development or any of that, you know, this line is going to come up in one form or another. So I think it's, it's really a perfect um, place to start to talk about relationship from. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, what I love about this particular line is it does make a distinction between wants and needs. And that's really where I think it shines because so often, especially now in our um, overstimulated consumer culture, 
it's very, very difficult, I think, for a lot of people to draw the line between wants and needs and to differentiate between those two things. So yeah, that's, that's where I, I, I think it really shines. Yeah, I, I think that that's, I, that's where I want to go. Um, and, I, and just to be clear, I don't know exactly what Mick Jagger meant when he wrote wants and needs. I'm assuming that my understanding of it is different than his. So uh, I have no idea if he would agree uh, with me or not. Yeah, and, and just to reiterate, like if this is the first time that someone's hearing this podcast, like the intention is not to go with what the lyricist or the songwriter meant. The, the intention is that we're grabbing these lyrics out because we love the songs, but that we really want to take those lyrics and, and run with them in whatever direction it takes us. So um, yeah, so what did you, what, what are your notes? <laughs> so, so, here, so here's my thoughts on uh, this. First of all, I want to read a quote. Okay, this is from a, um, a music magazine, an online music magazine. It's the Academy of American Music. And they were, you know, they catalog the, the most famous songs. And they, they write notes about it and, and why it's such an iconic song. And here's what this writer said. The wisdom of those lyrics is quite stunning, all the more so because of how matter-of-factly Jagger tosses them off. Now, I agree with that line. That, that mm -hmm. line, I think, is true. One of the things about the chorus, one of the things about uh, deep wisdom is that it, it's true. It's, it's sort of a very off-the-cuff sort of comment. And you sit there and you go, wow, that's heavy. Right. right? Yeah. It doesn't take you, you know, 450 pages to get it. It's one line. And I yeah. agree with you. It's just sort of like this one throwaway line when it's like, oh, my God, that's so true. But then the, the writer goes on to say, indeed, no matter what era you encounter them, these lyrics, they tend to make sense on a personal level. Many of us go wildly awry in search of some personal achievement that is only bound to bring heartbreak. The chorus suggests that there is no shame in settling, if anything. It might be the path to true contentment. So that's his take. Um, I'm not so sure that's what I heard when I read the lyrics, this idea that, you know, there is something in human beings that we desire things, we want things. And really what Jagger is saying, or just what the line is saying is, you have to just sort of sometimes accept your reality, you know, and that's what you need. I don't hear it that way. Uh, but again, this is just my own thinking. So. With respect to relationships, I, I, I tend to think of things with wants as what's the stuff, right? What is the stuff that gets people to come together and, and make it to the church or the chuppah or Las Vegas or wherever you're going to end up, right? right. To, to solidify the relationship. And so, you know, I, I think of things like um, the explicit promises that people make to each other, right? The, the goals and the stuff, you know, I want 2.5 kids, I want this. And then your partner says, well, I want this. Oh my God, we're aligned. Like, this is unbelievable. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, then there's the family expectation stuff, right? You know, um, you know, for some reason, your partner embodies something that will please your mother or your father or lives up to some tradition in your family. And that works. There's the, of course, the religious and cultural um, expectations, external expectations, and, and on, on and on and on. Okay, so there's all those wants. And what, what young couples, when I say young couples, Ellie, I'm talking about any age of the young part of the relationship. So courtship right. to maybe first, first year or two. What people don't know, or even if they know, they just can't see yet is what brings you together won't define your relationship in 5, 10, 15 years. You'll mm -hmm. only discover the true sense, what I'm going to refer to as the need. Mick Jagger talks about a need. You'll only discover that 
later on. So, 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 so the thing is, what brings us together is important. It's, it's important because we need that energy to make a decision that I'm going to go beyond my selfish, you know, self-centered, narcissistic priorities to be by myself and, and allow you to enter my life and that together we're going to do something. So you need right. those wants. They're important, those wants. It, it, it brings people together. But the need part is so profound, is so deep um, in this line that sometimes you get what you need. So the question is, well, what, what does that mean? Sometimes you get what you need. So my way of thinking about this, and Ellie, we've talked about this before. My way of thinking about this is a need in, in particular, uh, you get what you need is it's this idea that we've talked about that two people together come into this relationship with unfinished family business on both sides of their family. They both have chronic anxiety, meaning that you have two people who have all of this unfinished worries and anxieties that they've inherited from their families. And we all have it. I don't know anybody that doesn't have this. It's just degrees at this right. point. Okay. Like in my family, it's quite obvious. One of the big unfinished businesses that go back, I can trace it back about four generations is money. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of financial anxiety. I don't mean being poor. I just mean a lot of time and anxiety and around money and, and right. how you're going to acquire money and possibly losing money. But there's all this stuff. So I bring that into my marriage. I bring all of that into my marriage. But at the beginning of a relationship, it's very muted. It's very muted. I right. mean, unless you, you know, sometimes you see it at the planning of a wedding. Some of this unfinished business raises its head. You know, the couples who come into my office where everything is falling apart. At the you sort of see this unfinished business on both sides of the, of, um, of the families of these couples. But for most of us, the needs kick in 5, 10, 15 years down the road. And when, when that happens, and why I think this line is so important, is you get what you need, you get the energy and the stress and the anxiety and the existential angst around all this to give you the energy to do something about that unfinished business. Meaning that the, the, you, you start with wants, but where you end up is those wants sort of um, fall to the wayside. And what takes over is what David Starch calls a crucible, the pressure of two people's unfinished business sort of coming to the fore when you have a first child, when you buy a home, when you, right. there's a big medical condition. And it's those opportunities to do something that the previous generation either couldn't do, tried to do, either made some progress, did, did worse with it, but we have an opportunity. And, and so that's how I hear these, these lyrics, this idea of a need, the need to work on one's unfinished family business. That's how I hear these lyrics. Interesting. What do yeah, you think? I think that's really interesting that that if we identify that one of the needs of a person is to work on their unfinished business, then that, um, you know, then there's the beauty of how a relationship will naturally address that need because people change, because there's growth, because there's challenge, because there's tragedy, that the nature of relationship is to meet that need to grow, to reflect, to work on ourselves. You know, I also think it's, it's interesting as well, which is, you know, so often when people are saying when you're dating, like, so what are you looking for? What do you want? But very rarely do you hear somebody say, what do you need in a relationship? 
and to really ask that question um, because that's a very vulnerable question to answer because to say that you want something usually comes from a place of like entitlement and agency, but to say that you need something, usually that's coming from a place of vulnerability and it's often viewed as a, as a place of like weakness. Like I'm not good enough unless I have that in some way, or I'm not complete enough unless I have that. Whereas like needs are actually very natural and normal, but there's usually a lot of unfinished business related to needs. So people are very afraid to say, I need this in this relationship. I don't just want it. I need this if I'm going to be in a relationship. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I, I think, though, I think that when you're in the throes of what Irving Yalom, you know, when he talks about he hates being love's executioner with young couples because they're so enraptured with each other, right? They're, they're, they're so intoxicated with, the, with sort of those... Um, those, those feelings of a new relationship. I don't know if they could even hear that question. It's sort of like being really drunk. You know, you, you're just not thinking clearly, right? And so right. if you try to have a deep conversation about algebra, right. it's just not going to work. But I wonder if there's another way to get at that. That's, a, that's an interesting idea. You know, what do you need? Because I think most people just have a, like a deer in a headlights kind of yeah. look. I, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Right. But Another way of getting at that, and um, and this is, you know, when Elise and I created the series scale that I give up to all of my uh, clients and couples when I first meet them, um, the self and relationship inventory that's in our workbook, the idea behind the inventory was to give you a snapshot of your unfinished business in your family or the way that you programmatically get reactive to, mm -hmm. to stimulate thinking around this idea that um, this is going to be work for you. Like this area is going to be work for you. You might not see it now, but we, you know, I always hope, and it happens sometimes where a client will say to me, oh yeah, I, I, I recognize, yeah, this has been a thing in my family. You know, this has been a serious thing in my family. And I know this is going to be, you know, um, a red herring for me. This is going to be mm -hmm. a problem. So that's, that's a, a very good, good point. The question of course is, how do you bring that uh, awareness to the fore when things feel so good and so right in the beginning? Yeah, because I think, and this actually perfectly, now that I think about it, goes to what we were speaking about in the last episode, which is, you know, wants tend to have something more to do with personality, right? Whereas needs, then you have to address values and principles. I need this relationship to be based on X you know, openness, kindness, transparency, trust, you know, security, like whatever it is, like everybody has very different needs in those values and principles. Here are the things that this, the relationship should stand on. But wants are the thing that you're focused on in the beginning of a relationship because it's more like, oh, you know, I want someone to tell me how great I am and I want somebody to do fun stuff with and I want somebody who gets me and like all of those things. So I think it's a real differentiation of, of quality um, of connection. Whereas in the beginning, yeah, you're sort of just, you know, what is it, drunk, drunken and drunken love and um, not so much paying attention to is this a relationship that I could build a life on? And if it's so, then it has to address those, those fundamental needs. Yeah, I have to say, I, I sort of, my way of thinking about this is um, uh, the, the idea, what I'm hoping anyways, to convey to this group of people on Wednesday is 
the idea that your need is unrevealed now, meaning you can read all the, ther- you can go to therapy, you could, but you don't know what the need is in your relationship until it's co-created around a nodal event, right? right? So, you know, Ellie, take you and I, okay, so you and I do this podcast, but if you said to me in four years from now, how is this podcast going to manifest in whatever way? Uh, I have no idea. Right. We, th- we throw things at the wall. We see right. if they stick. <laughs> Sometimes so it, it's really hard to know. Well, a marriage, I think, is very similar, right? Mm-hmm. We go in thinking that, oh, this is the marriage I want and have. That is not the marriage you're going to get. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you. Yeah. A, being married and also working with marriage. Right. And, and that's Fine. And so I'm not trying to, what I hope these young people I'm speaking to, I am not suggesting that. And now if you go see a therapist like me, I'll give you, you'll find out the secret answer. You won't. But it's the awareness that when those needs hit, again, when I mean, when I mean my needs, especially Jagger's line of, but sometimes if you, you might find you get what you need, that when it hits, you recognize it as a crucible, that this isn't God punishing you. It's not you picked the wrong partner. It's not that you're an evil person, that there is something, there's a process that's happening here that is elegantly designed for you to work on something. It's just, you can't really prepare for it or plan for it other than recognizing the fact of, you know, what exactly is your unfinished business in but I think, I think where a, a lot one. of, I think where a lot of people get caught, you know, I think for me, often the work is differentiating in the moment. What is, un, what is a need that comes from unfinished business, right? For instance, I really need this person to totally appreciate me all the time, right? Like I need for them to just like adore me and love me and appreciate me yeah, all so, the time. So, That's what I need. So just to be clear, I would put that though, in my definition, I put that in the want category. Right. But that's what I mean. So I think there's such a confusion, whereas like what I actually need from recognizing that I want to be appreciated, loved, and seen all the time is I need to love and appreciate myself all the time Yeah, that's and beautiful. do the work yeah. for myself. That's what the actual need is. But I keep getting it confused with, I need my partner to do that for me. And then when they don't, here are the consequences. And this is what happens from that. Whereas like a need that's like a more fundamental need for a relationship is I need there to be um, kindness as part of this relationship from both of us in some way. Yeah, yeah, Ellie. Okay, so you're, you're now you're getting me. Okay, so I have to share something because you're you're um you're, you're touching on something here that I wasn't planning to share on this podcast, but I will now because you just to illustrate what you're saying because it's a very very uh, important point. When I introduce before I introduce um, Jagger's quote, I'm not sure if I'm doing it before or after. I, I forget now, but um, I'm giving a bit of a, a very 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 brief uh, case vignette, which is a composite of cases, right? I, mm-hmm. I never divulge confidential information. Mm-hmm. But the, the idea, it was a young couple who was in my office um, and they were so much in love. I mean, they, they came in for premarital work because they're, I think their church ministers had to come, you know, go get premarital work. Not, not because mm-hmm. they had a problem, but right. because 
they wanted to they wanted to really like prepare for their marriage. They were right. gung ho about this preparing for the marriage. Smart idea, smart guy. Yeah, uh, right. absolutely. And they came in. They were holding hands, and they were just like they were just really into each other, right? <laughs> and when I asked her, that lovely Gaga phase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they were, yeah. Whenever couples hold hands in, in in therapy, <laughs> y- 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 you know, it's like uh, start to get a little nervous. It's like how, how effective is this going to be right now? Right. Um, get, a, get a bedroom. Um, but um, so, anyways, uh, I asked her what was it about him that, uh, that that really you know it worked for her, and she told me all the typical stuff. But what she said to me was, when I met his family, it was the family. It just they took me in automatically, and mm. and it was I felt warm and connected. And his mother, his mother was the mother that I never had. And it turns out that she was cut off from her mother. Mm. She hadn't spoken to her mother in a few years. She left home quite young. Right. When I asked him, right, what uh, what was it about her that that worked for him? He told me that um, he was a TA in university and she was a student. And a- as he was mentoring her, she talked about her background and, and he really felt he could help her. And the, the idea of helping someone was always something he said he was, you know, touched a, an emotional touchstone for him. And so he sort of mentored her and fell in love with, and it's funny, he said it and he sort of felt um, weird about it, her melancholy. He said there was something about her melancholy and sadness that really sort of worked for him. And he was able to help her. And then he said something, and I always knew that whoever I brought into my family had to really love my mom. He said it was very important they love my mom. Mm-hmm. And and because he was very close, but he always, always wanted to um, uh, impress his mother. It was a, a big part of him. So that's how these two came together. And it was beautiful. But if you're a therapist and you're seeing this, you sort of see where the red <laughs> flags are. They, they only, they, they had about four sessions with me. Um, that's all that was really required. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went to work. They called me six years later um, when they had a crisis and, and here's the need and the need is so painful. So when you, when they right. first came in, I could never say this to them. Like I didn't quote Mick Jagger to them. Let's put it that way, because mm-hmm. they would have, they would have walked into my office, right. but the, but touching on what you're saying, they didn't know at the time, what their needs were. I guarantee it. If I would have asked them, where do you see this going? They would have said, going, we're just, this is a miracle that we found right. each other. What do you mean? Like, the, this is this is about as, if it gets any better than this, we're just, right. you know, we've won the lottery. What happened was that um, when his mother had biological daughters, like she had her own kids. And when they, when one of them gave birth, the mother did what any mother would do. She became a grandmother and she directed her attention more towards her daughters than her daughter-in-law, which is normal. Like that, Mm -hmm. that is pretty normal. The daughter-in-law was absolutely crushed, completely crushed and asked her husband to cut off his family from their family, because Mm. if they could be that cruel to her, so you see where this is going. So what's the need? The need was that they came into my office because they were, they were on the verge of divorce. Right. Because he was like, I can't cut off from it. This provided a crucible for both of them to rework unfinished business in their family. Now, it took a while. She had to reconnect with her family and he had to find a new way of developing this new relationship with his wife away from his enmeshed relationship with his mother. Mm -hmm. So that, but if I would have said this to them, six years previous right. they would have like thought i was looning to you could already see the work that was going to have to be done i didn't know 
I didn't know could, exactly. Right, but you could already see the relationship him with his mom was a little off. Like she's cut off from her mom. There's clearly going to be some kind of thing that's going to come up here, like in the natural course of events. But you couldn't have necessarily pointed that out to them because they wouldn't have even been able to conceive of what that could potentially mean. So she would have looked. She would have looked at me. She would have looked at me on session two and say to me, you don't know my mother. You don't know my mother. And, and, and right. it would be that whole justification of toxic. Right. You know, Ellie, yeah. the big thing. these toxic. Say, and yeah, trauma and the toxic. The best thing and, I ever did was cut her out of my life. <laughs> you know, you know, exactly. Right. You know, yeah. My previous therapist said, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so what you were talking about before is so important. And so what I'm hoping, uh, you know, um, what I'm hoping people, you know, walk away with anything from this, uh, from this uh, podcast um, and uh, the, the talk on Wednesday is not to become prophets because you're never going to know what these needs are, but to know that they're going to happen because they happen to all, because we all have unfinished business and that there's something about a marriage um, over the long term that will reveal, you know, parenting, anytime when you have an intense, intimate relationship with another human being, it will reveal these things that, that, that often are, you know, under our awareness. Um, and I really, I just, I, I think that Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger's line in this song um, is a, a great sort of anchor you know, to put on your wall or to remind yourself of or something that this is just the natural course of events and it's good. And this is good. And this is the way long-term relationships are supposed to work. Um, and uh, those are my thoughts about, you can't always get what you want. If you try sometimes, you just might you get what you need. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And by the way, Ellie, if this podcast introduces anybody to the Rolling Stones for the first time, that will young, have succeeded. We, have, we will have succeeded in our lives overall. Perfect. Yes. Amazing. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, everyone. That was a lot of fun. Um, it's a really, uh, it was a good song. There's a lot of meat there. I feel like we could do all kinds of stuff with it. Um, please, uh, those of you listening, please remember to subscribe, uh, share, leave us a rating, leave us a review. If you want to see more from Avram and myself about these topics, check out our other podcast, Pop Parenting, or the blog that goes along with the show. If you want to hear any of the songs that are on the show or see a sneak peek at what's coming up, please check out the Love Examine playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. If you have a song you think we should talk about, if you have a topic you think we should talk about related to dating, love, marriage, divorce, anything relationship oriented, please drop us a line, send us an email, send us a voice message. There's a link in the liner notes to do that. And let us know why you think this song should be on the playlist or why you think we should talk about this. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Avram, thank you so much.